I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the award-winning Gethsemane Brown Mysteries, published by Henry Press, and the host of the Cozy Corner Podcast, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every other week, I chat with an author who writes novels on the not-so-gritty end of the crime fiction spectrum. If you prefer mystery without hardcore sex and violence, join us in the Cozy Corner. Welcome. I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries and host of the Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon podcast. Joining me today is Julie Mulhern, here to chat about Staying Alive, her 10th country club murder. Welcome, Julie. Thanks so much for having me. Staying Alive, as I mentioned, is the 10th book in the Country Club Murder series. Can you tell us about the series and what Ellison's up to in your latest? Sure. Uh, The Country Club Murders are actually based in the 1970s in Kansas City, um, kind of actually in the Country Club District. We actually have a Country Club District in Kansas City, and that is where they are based. Um, The first book, of course, starts out with Ellison and her husband is murdered And we've kind of gone from there. I've got a large cast of characters now. And um, Staying Alive is in 1975. So I've made it almost a whole year in 10 books. And Ellison is chairing what was actually a real exhibit here in Kansas City, um, the Chinese exhibit. And um, in 1975, as a result of detente, China let any number of funerary artifacts out of the country and they had four stops in the United States, San Francisco, Washington DC, New York, and of all places, Kansas City. So Ellison is chairing a gala in conjunction with that exhibit and the worst thing that could possibly happen is that Ellison finds a body at the gala. (laughs) And as a writer, you know that the worst thing has to happen. Yes. Now, the 70s is a very interesting decade. People either kind of love it or kind of hate it. So why did you choose the 1970s? I love it. Um, There's a lot to love about the 1970s. I think it really was a simpler time. And I was a kid in the 70s, so it was definitely a simpler time to grow up. And I definitely wear rose-colored glasses when it comes to the 1970s. Um, And the reason, one of the reasons I was attracted to that particular decade is because it's sort of a seminal decade for women and women's issues. Um, A lot of the things that had been on the fringe in the 60s made their way to middle America. And all of a sudden you had women taking a look at everything from equal rights to equal pay to how they were treated within their marriages to, to sex, to, to you name it. A, a lot of the things that women still face today really came to the forefront in the 1970s. And I've had a really good time sort of exploring those issues in the country club murders. Now, I was also a kid in the 70s. So what challenges do you face writing about a decade that was long enough ago to be mind boggling to people who can't imagine a world before smartphones, the internet and Amazon, but recent enough that many of us experienced it firsthand. You know, in in some ways it's easy because I I do have memories of the 1970s and how things were, but um, things that we take for granted now 
weren't the case. I was writing a short story which got scrapped because pivotal to the short story was watching a basketball game on a Thursday night. Well, that didn't happen in the 1970s. Um, I think right now, during basketball season, you could turn on the television any night of the week and find a basketball game. But that just didn't happen in the 70s when there were only three channels plus PBS. It was primetime lineup, and the only games were on the weekend or Monday night football, and that was why it was such a big deal. Uh, so that was one mistake, which I fortunately caught before I published the story. Um, I have screwed up little details about sports, so now I avoid, avoid them altogether. Um, <laughs> but I do a lot of research. I did do more research than I thought I would, just because I don't want to um, be anachronistic, and I don't want to have things that are readily available now that weren't then and people go huh, no that wasn't that way <laughs> and every so often somebody will say wait were there answering machines in 1974 and I can definitively say yes because I've watched the Rockford files um, one of my um, early edits was one of the editors who was younger than I am asked seriously, was heroin a thing in the 1970s? And I was like, yeah. It, it just, it's funny what we think of does fit and doesn't fit. So um, and the challenge is I haven't made any huge mistakes except for three-point shots, I hope. Did you at least roll your eyes a little bit when the editor asked you that question? <laughs> you know, um, I did, because it was definitely a thing in the 1970s, and it killed so many people that it wasn't a thing in the 80s. It got replaced by hair, by cocaine, and now, full circle, it looks like, unfortunately, we're back to heroin again. Oh, true. Now, you were talking about the research that you did, and I noticed that uh, on your, your Facebook news feed, in addition to excerpts from your novels, you post a lot of ads for the 1970s. Uh, some of them are funny. Um, some of them are frankly terrifying. So where do you find those? You know, I am, um, well, I have a huge file of them now, so I can just go back and pull from the archives as it were. But I do sort of spend time with my husband, particularly in the summer, um, when my husband is watching baseball, I'll just get on the computer and look for 70s ads. Um, and I find them, I, you know, you Google 70s ads and see what comes up or go to Pinterest or, you know, follow down little rabbit holes and you just never know what you're going to find. It's absolutely hysterical. Um, Jello molds. Yikes. I mean, I can remember those from when I was a kid from family gatherings. And, you know, the idea of putting a vegetable in jello was just yicky to me then, and it is yicky to me now. So, <laughs> and that doesn't even count the jello molds with meat in them. Yes, the, the pictures that you post are quite yicky um, for the, the meat and vegetables and the jello. I admit the fruit's okay. I remember red jello with fruit, but the other stuff, no. <laughs> I can't even do fruit. I don't like my textures to touch. <laughs> Now, you, you'd mentioned some issues from the 70s that we're still uh, dealing with today. Um, you know, unfortunately, the heroin seems to be making a comeback, replacing uh, cocaine as the, the epidemic of the moment. Um, you know, some of the women's issues you talked about and some of those ads you post are 
frighteningly sexist bordering on misogynistic the ones with that uh that, that bath oil stuff with the creepy stalker guys through the window <laughs> so what are, what are some other issues that you find that people maybe think were only the 70s and aren't now or the reverse think hey this is a new thing and think you know no, actually we were still dealing with this back then but you know some things have gotten better um i addressed in one book domestic abuse and really and truly in the 1970s um often police officers were told just to tell the wife to behave herself and be nicer and that was the response if you can believe it um so certain things have become better um and certain things haven't um the fact that we're talking about me too 50 years later means that things haven't progressed the way they should. Um, Things for women, I think, are better, but we still are not looking at equal pay. We're still certainly not looking at equal respect. And I almost think that the level of misogyny in our society has upped upped a notch. Um, and, and maybe it's because women have made strides toward equality and certain people feel threatened. But, um, you know, the 1970s was really the launching point. And on a, a slightly lighter turn, but somewhat related, what are some things from the 70s that you hope will never make a comeback, you know, besides the obvious ones like sexism and drug overdoses from, uh, and what are some things that you would like to see experience sort of a retro revival? Um, things that should not come back, elephant bells, <laughs> which would jeans with the giant bell bottoms. I mean, that looks just like a way to kill yourself. Um, other things that should not come back, jello molds, although I think that they're still popular in some parts of the country. Um, you know, um, things that I would love to see more of wrap dresses, um, and some, you know, music, I love seventies music. Um, and I knew that I had raised my kids right when my oldest told me Fleetwood Mac was her favorite band. <laughs> um, you know, other things I'd love to see come back, you know, the 70s get kind of a bad rap for fashion. I mean, you had socks with toes and some really awful stuff, but you also had Missoni and Dion von Furstenberg and some really amazing cutting edge fashion when Halston was first coming to the fore. So I love that part. And I love that every so often we see sort of a 70s revival. Um, one of the things they notice especially right now, I occasionally write um, for shelter magazines. And if I write about a house, it tends to be beige or monochromatic lately. I I don't know why, but there are lots of very beige interiors. And one of the things that I love about the 70s is their use of color. I mean, there was color everywhere and it was vibrant. And I'd love to see more of that. No more beige houses. Although some of the ads you post with the solid orange and solid avocado might be a bit much for a comeback. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see harvest gold or avocado green as major decorating ideas again, I hope. 
but you know, a, a touch of orange can change a room. That's true. <laughs> it's everything in moderation. Exactly. Now, you write another series in addition to the Country Club Murders, the Poppy Fields Adventures. Uh, can you tell us something about Poppy Fields? Uh, Poppy Fields is um, a Hollywood, kind of a Hollywood it girl whose mother is very, very famous. So Poppy is sort of famous for being famous. She's not really ever done anything with her life. And um, in the first book, she goes off to Mexico on a vacation to get over a boyfriend and um, is abducted by a drug cartel, um, mainly because the head of the cartel is obsessed with her mother. And I um, sort of thought about, you know, it was certainly ripped from the headlines with El Chapo, but, you know, Poppy, all of a sudden, this Hollywood it girl has to depend on her intelligence and her cleverness really to get out of this very dire situation and so she grows a lot as a person sort of discovers what she wants to do with her life and finds a killer chihuahua along the way so there's action and adventure and humor and it's exactly the kind of thing that i like to read it was written as sheer entertainment just to be fun and um i have a great time writing them uh, Poppy Fields adventures sound more like thrillers, whereas the Country Club murders are more traditional mysteries. So how do you juggle writing two series, especially two that are so different? You know, it's kind of nice to go back and forth, frankly. Um, just about the time when I think I can't write another action scene, I wrap up the book, and then I get to write mysteries with Ellison. And... Um, things calm down and the pace slows just a little bit. It's not quite as breathless. So I really like it. Um, it's, I think that they make each other better, actually. You've, you've also written a couple of historical romantic suspense novels, uh, Bayou Moon and Bayou Nights. Any plans mm -hmm. to write more? No. No. <laughs> um, and the reason why is what I write now, I don't have to write sex scenes. And I don't like writing sex scenes, which would kind of takes me out of the romantic suspense genre a lot. Um, so, it, and I'm fine with that. Okay, I'm fine with that too, hence the show. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for Ellison? Um, up next for Ellison, um, Staying Alive comes out on February 25th. And then I hopefully there'll be another book out late summer. Um, and I know who dies, but I don't know why. So I'm not quite sure what um, is next for Ellison, other than I've got a title, which will be Killer Queen. And what's next for Poppy? Well, Poppy is, um, let's see, right now, her next book comes out at the end of March, Field's Guide to Pharaohs. And... After that, I'm not quite sure where her adventures will take her. Um, what ultimately I'd like to do is figure out a way that I can travel to all these places with Poppy and write it off. So, you know, Greece or <laughs> Italy or, or someplace fabulous. That would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so for readers so that they can experience Poppy's adventures and Ellison's country club lifestyle without having to figure out a way to write it off on their taxes, where can they buy a copy of Stan Alive or one of the field's guides? 
You know, they are both available on um, Amazon, iBooks, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Um, and both e-copies and paper copies. And then all of the Country Club Murders are available on audio right now. And the first Poppy Fields is available on audio and we are working on the, the rest of the books right now. And I believe on your website, you're offering one of the Poppy Fields guides for free right now? Absolutely. Um, the first Poppy Fields book, Fields Guide to Abduction, is um, free for e-readers. So, um, and that's available on, again, any of those book sites. And it's, uh, I think, a fun way to meet Poppy and get engaged with her adventures. And where can readers find out more about you? Well, um, you're welcome to follow me or friend me on Facebook. Um, I think it's Julie Mulhern33. Um, or my website is juliemulhernauthor.com. And then I have a Facebook page. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I'm seldom there. And um, really kind of Facebook is my jam. I'm there more often than any place. Yes, and that's, that's the place to find some of those Jello mold recipes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even post the recipes because, well, actually, sometimes if it's a recipe card, there is a recipe. And it's really frightening. <laughs> I've enlarged a few of your photos to see the recipe in the small print down at the bottom of the ad. <laughs> Yeah, it, they're, they're really some, you know, what were they thinking? But then, you know, the 70s was like, they had a red wine diet in the 70s, which would actually be my kind of diet now that I think about it. <laughs> so maybe that's one of the things to have the retro revival for. Uh-huh. Well, thank you for joining me today in the Cozy Corner. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to my chat with Julie Mulhern, author of The Country Club Murders and The Poppy Fields Adventures. This has been your host, Alexia Gordon, author of The Gethsemane Brown Mysteries. Listen on your favorite podcatcher every other Wednesday for a new episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Cozy Corner Podcast, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries and the host of the podcast. Tune in next time as I chat with another author writing on the lighter side of crime. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.